Hollywood, you know, and your eyes go glittering, it builds the excitement. If you work at a theme park, you now need to make sure you know where your rubbish bins are, because if a guy in a really wacky suit comes up to you in the theme park <laughs> and asks you where the nearest bin is, you need to know where that bin is. <laughs> Where's the trash can at? Where's yeah, the trash can? Yeah. And then everyone's like, we're in the UK, mate. What the hell is a trash can? Where hinges creak in doorless chambers. Where strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. This is the Theme Park Loopy Podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about what makes a park bad. So when we talk about a park being bad, that could be a bad experience or it could be that the park has really bad theming um, or it could be that the park's really expensive. It could be that a park is partly good but then partly bad. Maybe a park isn't all bad. But let's just have a little bit of a conversation about what makes a park bad and what ruins your experience when you go to a park. Right, so this is a funny one. So when I go to parks, I always like the convenience of of things around me. Like if I'm there and I've spent the money to be inside a theme park, which is probably quite a lot of money by today's standards, I want the convenience of everyday things that I have to deal with just to be able to be handled at my fingertips, right? So one of my biggest pet peeves is there not being enough trash cans or bins um, around the place now this isn't a problem obviously in disney park we all know the whole thing of when you go to disney parks you can't walk one meter without seeing a, a bin or a trash can there but i wish that was replicated in other parks around the world because there are so many times i go to a theme park and they're not being a trash can around and i'm sort of left with my sort of sticky ice cream wrapper in my hands and that sounds so silly this sounds so petty but it's just one of uh, one one of the things that I've noticed. Uh, another thing that I'll quickly say because it kind of kind of follows on from that in terms of simple amenities being open, is that um, food outlets. Sometimes you go to parks and there's never any food outlets open, or there's only like one or two options. Um, usually that can be due due to staffing or you know if it's an off peak day or whatever it is. But when I again when I go to a theme park and I'm and I'm stuck there because I've I've paid the price obviously to get in. You know, I'm not going to go out of the park unless it's very close to a town, you know, to, to eat. So at least have more than sort of one or two options open to give a bit of choice. And because not everyone in the party, in, in your party, is going to eat the same thing. So having enough food outlets, enough seating areas um, and having trash cans, like the most simple things. But that make actually such a difference when it comes to your your general day around a park, as petty as petty as it sounds, it's just such a pet peeve of mine. I'm just imagining you walking around a park with a sticky ice cream wrapper and uh, <laughs> looking for somewhere to put it. Do you do you just get to a point where maybe there's like a passing person wandering past and you just kind of stick it to their back or something? Yeah, and you it, pop it in go. their hood. See, the image I had <laughs> was Sam carrying around like heaps of rubbish 
like you know like like two armfuls you know and he was like really really annoyed red in the face shouting at people in the queue that's that was the image i had where's the trash can at where's the trash i've got so much money and then everyone's like we're in the uk mate what the hell is a trash can yeah (laughs) yeah well that yeah sam that's where you're going wrong because i bet you've been going up to the staff and going where the trash can they've just been looking at you going i don't know what you're talking about yeah (laughs) That's, well, that, that has been the problem. You've been looking for trash cans in all these queue lines. They're actually, they were rubbish bins. Yes. Just... Well, I'll I tell, <laughs> tell you, actually, it's remarkable. So in, in different parks, when you go up to a park attendant or, or a member of, uh, a, member of uh, a theme park team and you say, oh, excuse me, do you know where the nearest um, like rubbish bin is? It generally, everyone does the same thing. They go, um... Ooh, and they have a quick look around, see if they can scan it. And I guarantee, because of where it is, they won't be able to see one out of hand. So it's always a good test to see if people really know their parks, if they know where the nearest bin is. Because I just hate being stuck with like rubbish in my hand or in my bag or, you know, having to... Yeah, so many queue lines, there's not enough rubbish bins. And you sort of end up going past the rubbish bin in the queue line and then that's it. You're then kind of waiting around for another 15 minutes before you get to the next rubbish bin. So um, more rubbish bins, more rubbish bins and more. And also, if you if you work at a theme park, you now need to make sure you know where your rubbish bins are, because if a guy in a really wacky suit comes up to you in the theme park (laughs) and asks you where the nearest bin is, you need to know where that bin is, (laughs) where the the trash trash can is. Yeah. Yeah, but other that does kind of lead me on to the whole thing about people eating in queue lines and the obsession with some parks to have like vending machines, like almost just before you get on the ride. Uh, you know what is that about? Like that that surely is just mm. going to cause a problem. Yeah, absolutely. No, again, it just it's just you're left with and and then you've got a vending machine and then nowhere to put your blooming rubbish. So you just end up finding litter everywhere and it looks horrible. I mean, do you guys understand where I'm coming from with this? Well, I hope I'm not being sort of oversensitive. Do you guys get where I'm coming from? I do get where you're coming from, yeah. I I, I have had many a time where I've I've needed to look for rubbish and ended up just putting it, putting it in my bag or something. You know, in the like little front pocket that doesn't have much in it except for a couple of coins. <laughs> I think it's um, quite it's quite important. But the thing is, um, it's all well and good the parks having the bins, but then if the parks don't actually empty the bins, because I have lots of memories of going places like Flamingo Land uh, as a child, uh, and in the middle of summer they'll just have bins just full of rubbish and then there'd be like swarms of like wasps and stuff around them and to be honest like it might as well have just not bothered having the bin and just making everyone take the rubbish home and then we wouldn't have all got attacked by wasps so wasps you know. <laughs> was going to be one of my my answers to that question wasps are nightmares in a theme park alton towers is particularly bad in in the summer and the park is just so big there's just nothing you can really do about it so so that's one of the the downers um another downer is is heat as well but in terms of what i think makes a bad park as a park in itself is empty buildings stuff that's not being used rides that are closed for reasons you're not quite sure about merlin is is a bit of it, they they do this quite a lot they close shops after maybe a year of them being open mm. all the food kiosks are now closed you know and you have the odd one open here and there 
you see, you know, entrances to rides covered up with vending machines, stuff like that. I think that's where I start. I start losing a bit of faith in my day at the park. Well, I heard a rumor they were going to try and reopen the thirteen shop, but then they didn't know where the signs had gone. So you know, there is that. You know, I don't yeah, it's funny that, that. <laughs> the strange disappearance funny, of the thirteen funny, shop uh, signs. If we, if anyone can find the thirteen signs for the shop, then 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 um, they should let Alton Towers know. <laughs> but, for anyone listening who doesn't know i have the shop sign <laughs> there's someone out there listening to this podcast going oh my god where did the signs go <laughs> yeah i i have it okay <laughs> yeah no no more questions i have the sign. so if you find the signs you're you're also in brett's lounge at that point so you might as well just turn around and say hello yeah, yeah. just i'll make you a cup of, have a cool. cup of tea yeah 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 okay yeah yeah i can see where you're coming from with those two i think for me i do hate that sbno you know when they always say it's standing but not operating with some rides pleasure beach went through a period of time where like almost half the rides were sbno and they were kind of rotating it and it was getting a bit annoying but i think like operations for me are the key i i absolutely hate standing in queues and i've been given a load of a load of like crap for this in the past but you know if i go somewhere like fort park i'm very tempted to pay like the 60 pounds or whatever for the platinum pass because i'd rather just get on the rides all day than have to stand in the queues and i know that's not very popular in fact probably someone's pet peeve is people going on fast passes and you know going on lots of rides while they're studying queues but i just can't do with standing in queues but you know, sometimes you, I don't mind standing in the queue if it's moving, because at least you feel like you're making progress. But if it's not moving and they dispatch a car like every 20 minutes or something, it is pretty demoralising. So I think that's probably what would make a park bad for me, is if it has such bad operations. Yeah, bad throughput on a roller coaster is, is a big one. I think in, was it maybe two podcasts ago you mentioned mumbo jumbo at flamingo land running on one car that only holds four people you know if if that's a that's a queue of 20 minutes with only eight people in the queue it's it's yeah i think that's a a bit of a nightmare when when they can do that i think obviously at the minute i assume they are are running on lower operations because of you know restrictions to other things but I think parks should be trying to eat through their queues as much as they can. These rides are built to to withstand one to three thousand people per hour, and when you see them going down to four or five hundred people an hour, you just go, "Uh, it, it, yeah, it's not being used for its main purpose at that point." Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that. I think um, sometimes there's nothing more frustrating than when you're standing in a queue line and you're looking at the station and, and a ride and, and, the, and the operations team, that they're just not really moving through as fast as they can. Or sometimes you get ride ops that stand there and have chats, like people that are on the on um, load and offload there, maybe having a chit chat, maybe they're having some banter kind of going on. Yeah, I get it. Like theme park should be a happy place to work. But sometimes when, when the line is, is so long, there can be nothing more frustrating to a guest than seeing like, people just sauntering along when there's like a 30 minute line. It is just, so I absolutely agree with you there, Brett. I think it can be, uh, I'm sorry, um, Brett didn't say that, did it? It was uh, Ryan, sorry, Ryan. Um, I absolutely agree with you there. 
um, in terms of operations. Um, and also, Brett, I agree with your with your buildings not being around. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads to the question then. Um, we all kind of know what would make a bad park in our minds. Are there any parks that are consistently bad every time you go? Hmm, that's that's a good question. Um, I think there's no. I don't think there's one park that I can think of that I would say is a bad park. But there's some parks that have really bad traits, and they have a bit of a, a reputation for these traits. And I'd say one of them that sticks in my mind is Porta Ventura over in Spain. They have a really bad problem with queue jumping and the staff don't do anything about it so it has a really bad reputation for that because the problem is that Porta Ventura is most of their queues for their major eyes are just basically cattle pens um you know they're just ripe for people just jumping through and people don't do anything about it and then to to make that even worse they they'll dispatch a ride like every 10 minutes or something <laughs> it's like Shambhala Shambhala is an absolutely gigantic coaster that could probably run, you know, at least three trains, you know, maybe maybe more if they stacked them. But they will just one they'll just run one train and then they'll kind of stand around and they'll be putting down the lap bar and and you just and they'll they'll keep checking the lap bar and you just kind of stack there and then and then if people are jumping in front of you you're just getting even more and more frustrated. So, yeah, that can happen sometimes. But, I mean, other times I've been, and they've dispatched it fantastically. Like, uh, first time I went on Shambhala, they were they were really uh, getting through the trains, and there were no problem at all. So, I'd say for me, Port of Ventura always sticks out as that one that people talk about with the, the bad dispatch times and the queue jumping on top. That's, for me, is a bad trait for that park. I've actually... Shambhala... Um... Oh, sorry, Sam. Uh, oh, Shambhala was... does run on three trains, though I checked, or can do. Yeah, in theory. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've heard about that too. Actually, um, yeah, I mean, I've never been to Port Ventura, so I can't um necessarily say from my own experience that I've had something that I've experienced that. But um, uh, yeah, I've heard it's it's pretty awful for that. So on my next trip, I will definitely be having a look, um, and seeing if seeing if the legend reigns true. I'm Sam from Coast to Sandpog, and if you want to get involved with everything that we've got going on, just head over to Instagram at Coast to Sandpog, where you can find opinion pieces, reviews, trip reports, and we even have our very own theme park trivia game show. So if you want to test out your theme park knowledge, head on over to at Coast to Sandpog. Kung Pao O'Malley! Name it, Brett, you got this. <sighs> okay. Hi, I'm Brett. Um, you can find me on the likes of uh, Instagram, under Theme Parks by Brett, where I post a lot of my theme park related artwork, opinions, and also some of the models that I'm currently uh, building as well. So if you go to Instagram, you'll find me under Theme Parks by Brett. World class models. Brett, you are a world class model. Kung Pao O'Malley! So what what about you then, Sam? Would you say there's any park that you've been to that you would describe as bad or anything that you can describe as a as a trait that a park has that you describe as bad? 
so the only park that I can think of that perhaps isn't again a bad park but it was more of a design flaw I guess when it when it first opened um was the Disneyland Paris Studios Park now don't get me wrong I absolutely love Disney um and always have done and always will but um this park the way it was sort of built in the 90s was obviously to really resemble uh, a, a working film studio and so a result of that is that it's very concrete there's not that much theming it's kind of warehouses and kind of gray slabs um everywhere and it just you have elements of mishmash theming that kind of pop out of buildings but again it just doesn't look right because the entire area is concrete um and then you kind of in the later areas of the park that were developed like, like the ratatouille area and toy story you get more of the theming towards the back of the park but that front section um just always looks a bit dire and gray like when you first you go through studio one and you come out the other side and then you just enter this kind of mass of gray concrete and buildings and i always just find that always looks a bit underwhelming uh when you compare it to kind of other parks out there do you know it's such a confusing park because yeah i i i, I kind of agree with you but at the same time i always have a really good time in that park because it has uh, some of the best best Disney rides uh, that you can find for me. I think uh, Crushy's Coaster is is really underrated as a coaster. It's actually really fun. Obviously, there's the Ratatouille ride, which is really good. Uh, there's the Tower of Terror there that's just recently been renovated with the new stories. But I don't know if you... Did you ever watch the um, documentary? The the I, I can't remember what it was called now, but it's like kind of behind-the-scenes, over-the-years Disney documentary. Did did either of you watch that? What, uh, Imagineering Story? Yeah, and I, I think it was mentioned on that, but Michael Eisner's theory with, with the park, and, and I think this has happened... I think this happened with California Adventure as well, was to go for a theme which in itself is quite a cheap theme, so like the studio theme, mm. but to do it really well. So it's a good version of a bad theme, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just to, just to kind of um, comment on what you were saying, like I, I'm, I, I'm definitely not, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's a bad park. I think I think the rides that are, that are at the park are, are great. I'm just talking about the atmospherical feel of it and the theming that is, again, probably a, more of a design thing that happened in the 90s. But as I say, it just feels concrete and lackluster. The actual content of the park is very good. The rides, the coasters are great. as And the areas, some of the areas are good as well, like with Toy Story and Ratatouille. But I just think the concrete bland area of when you first walk through studio one always looks a bit goof. yeah i mean i i i i quite like studio one i don't mind it i don't hate it studio one i think it's kind of fun it's kind of different walking through this kind of studio space and it's kind of all lit up and it's quite fun i quite like that but yeah i do agree with you that it, the park doesn't quite open up in front of you because there isn't an icon is there, uh, immediately in front of you there's a bit of a, a path that then goes up to where the studio tram tour was and so the the icon that you see is probably the Corella de Ville car but that's that's probably all gone now because obviously that's getting renovated to your left that's where you go to the the back lot area that's not there now because that's all going to be the the Marvel area but you'd kind of walk towards the the rock and roller coaster and you'd be kind of looking around and going have we accidentally 
walked out into the car park because I'm a bit confused mm. now about about where we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. I think I I even remember Shelley going, "Wait a minute, where's Rock and Roller Coaster? Are we where where have we gone?" <laughs> and I'm like, "It's there." And she goes, "Oh, that didn't look that didn't look very good." But the ride itself is really good. It's fantastic, mm. although it's not rock and roller coaster anymore. But yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think unfortunately they had to build that park on a bit of a budget, and yeah, it's it's too much concrete. But I'm really pleased that um, it's going to be very very different in probably sort of five to six years time now, and mm. I think that's something we need to we need to talk about that in the future. I think, but. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that, with the concreteness. I think concreteness does ruin a park. And I think we've said this about uh, Flamingoland before, that they really haven't cracked the theme in on that entrance area because it just feels like there's too much concrete. There's not mm. really a clear theme. And for me, the entrance has to be the bit... For me, you have to walk into a park and you have to go, wow, this is amazing and you know we're going to have a great day. So if you don't crack that... Then I think you're already you're already disappointing people straight through the gates, and I don't mm. think that's that's good for any park. I don't think. And and the annoying thing with with studios, um, Walt Disney Studios in Paris, is that Studio One is great. Studio One is perfect. As you walk through it, you've got the hustle and bustle of Hollywood. As you say, all the neon signs. You always get like the um. Sometimes you get like the streetmosphere directors walking out. It's it's fantastic. It really sets the scene of like wow we're in hollywood you know and your eyes go glittery and it builds the excitement and then yeah and then it just like you you now walk walk out of studio one and okay you see tower of terror which is quite cool but other than the small pops of theming in the certain areas around the park it is just a gray concrete uh mess which obviously will be will, will be changed later on and as the years go down but um but it's i'm glad that they're finally kind of doing something about it just because I feel like it was almost like an anti-climax, uh, as I say, because Studio One was so colourful and intense and like in your face and, and great. Um, and then again, you and then you exit Studio One and you're like, oh. So one park um, that I've always consistently queued loads at is Chessington World of Adventures. Now, I absolutely love this park. I've even previously worked there briefly, but I've always found their throughput really bad. And I've always really struggled there. However, whilst mulling over the things I don't like about Chessington, I've decided to change my mind. And I absolutely love the park so much that I couldn't possibly bring it up as something that is a bad park. So I've decided on Fantasy Island. Now, this park has probably the lowest throughput of any rides in the UK. If you're lucky enough to get on both of the coasters, that's they're, they're closed very regularly. You have Millennium, which is probably the smoothest Vacoma coaster in the world. Uh, however, I think it's so smooth because it's just one huge drawn out loop around the park. And then you have Odyssey, which is incredibly rough, but very fun, um, which doesn't open very often. If it does open, it's on one train. It's never felt like a, a park or even really much of an amusement park to me. It It's always felt like, you know, a place with a few rides and uh, I don't know what it is about it. I've never really been massively excited about being there. I know, I know some people do comment on the fact that I think the thing is with Fantasy Island is it's an area, it's in an area of the world 
you know, it's in Lincoln, Lincolnshire, I believe. Am I, am I wrong on that? It's in Lincolnshire, isn't it? Uh, it's in Skegness, is it not? Yeah, yeah. Well, Skegness, which is in yeah, it's is that just part up, of Lincolnshire. Yeah. So Lincolnshire, the area is quite it's quite low population actually for the for the UK because you've got uh, Lincoln, Boston, Grimsby, Cleethorpes, not massive uh, areas. So they kind of really, uh, you know, they could potentially struggle to to attract people to Skegness. So. They have to kind of diversify their their operation uh, a little bit. So Fantasy Island, uh, a lot of it is like like Flamingoland. Is their money comes from the uh, the caravan park, and also they have a big market as well. So I think it's kind of tricky for Fantasy Island because I think they have to they have to diversify that income. I think if they go in too deep on the ride, I think they could kind of put themselves in a black hole that they can't get back out of. Uh, at the same time, I think they made a mistake with odyssey because i feel like having you know such a large suspended coaster uh on on the seafront is 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 going to be a problem because you know even the big one the big one obviously struggles a lot with uh the wind but it's not as bad because it's obviously a sit down coaster and a little bit more streamlined but having a suspended coaster that's a bit more exposed and in the wind is actually quite a big problem because it just catches the wind a bit more so I'm not convinced that that was. It, I don't know if that was the best investment for Fantasy Island. I think maybe if Millennium had been, you know, maybe if they had a taller version of Millennium, you know, that might have been a better investment. And then if they had a smaller SLC, maybe they should have gone the other way around. You know, perhaps. Isn't Odyssey the tallest inverted roller coaster in the world? It's the tallest SLC. Right. Uh, I don't know if it's the tallest inverted coaster i'm not sure if banshee is taller or not at king's island yeah i'm not sure about that i'd have to i think we'd have to check that out Um, but but that's the thing is slc as far as i'm aware yeah to to think that 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 exists in that park and unless you you go to it and you you don't know about it and it, it is a brilliant roller coaster that first drop is terrifying on the front row it's 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 a it's a massive massive ride and it's um it's it's a pretty good layout as well for what it is and i just feel like everyone forgets about it and that's because it's either not open or if it is open you know you you can queue ages for it um because it's on one train and it's really slow uh throughput i also find that you know they the rides there, even the flat rides, which are generally travelling rides, I, I I can't remember which one I went on, it, I, what it was called. Um, it was some kind of pendulum style ride, and I I've always been fairly good at at spotting mechanical issues with rides. I, I don't know whether it's a weird sixth sense I've got or whether it's some sort of inside knowledge. Um, but we went on it. It was me and my brother and. I was a hundred percent sure I was going to die. <laughs> um, it there was things banging around inside of it as it was going upside down. Really, uh, it was yeah, it was terrifying. And then we got off it. There was only us two on it at the time. We got off it. The ride op instantly shut the ride. Oh my god, that's scary. Now it? I don't know whether that ride was tested before I went on it or not. It was <laughs> like it. 
it was very obviously making some horrific noises it wasn't supposed to make. And then as soon as we got on it, the the ride up shut the ride instantly. He like just walked us out of the exit, closed that ride. It never opened for the rest of the day. Oh my god! And I just thought, did was it even tested? I don't know. Like, cause that that was a fairly obvious issue with whatever it was. It sounded like there was there was bolts rattling round inside it. So it's just stuff like that. I've just always, I've never hated my time there whenever i go i do enjoy it you know some of the rides are brilliant but i've just always come away disappointed in some way or another yeah more another story more another story is get tested or you have a rattly ride get tested (laughs) hashtag get tested test test or you have a rattly ride by the sounds of it yeah That sounds crazy. But that kind of leads me on to something else about what can make a park bad, I guess, is that parks have to be so careful about what they choose in terms of ride investments. And uh, one ride uh, that I think was a bit of a mistake uh, for a UK park was G-Force. Because um, I think, I don't know what what kind of terms they got on the ride, but I know that the, the type of ride that is was a bit of a prototype at the time and they obviously built it but it's the same it's the same coaster as as Rip Ride Rocket if you ever ridden Rip Ride Rocket over at Universal Studios in Orlando but Rip Ride Rocket is over quite a large footprint which allows the ride to you know kind of gather pace and allows it to you know be quite a fun ride and I really like Rip Ride Rocket but G-Force was actually over such a small footprint that it just never quite got going and the elements were always a bit you know, they just they were never thrilling. I didn't find anything thrilling about it. And the worst part of it was that it didn't have a lift hill; it had a, a lift loop. So <laughs> you kind of you'd leave the station and then go halfway up a loop uh, and get kind of suspended and then kind of get released from the loop. It was a very bizarre, bizarre experience all round. Uh, and obviously, that's been since uh, removed. Uh, last year so i think drayton manor made a mistake so for me a park can feel like a bad experience sometimes if they haven't chosen the right rides for the park now i'm actually weirdly going to disagree with you on g-force uh i've noticed a lot of people saying this at the minute you know how g-force was a bad investment and things like that but actually it 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 did really well for the park uh, I agree the ride, you know, never quite did as it promised. Uh, and the pre-drop going into the 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 half-loop lift hill was probably the most exciting part of the ride. But but it actually did do well. So it, it was a, a Marasona X-Car coaster, which back in the early 2000s when they built it was, you know, it that was the new generation of roller coaster according to all the adverts. Well, the whole, well, the whole point of that coaster is that it's meant to be expandable. So I don't think this has ever happened with the model, but I think the whole point of it was that you could buy the basic model and then maybe a few years later you could say, actually, we want to extend it and we want to do this with it. And 
Myra's son could kind of come in and just kind of extend it. So it was meant to be, I can't remember how they described it, they described it as modular and expandable. But yeah, they, they happened, said so. a lot of they said a lot of things <laughs> in those X-Car adverts. That... Wasn't it also f- famous at the time because it was one of the first coasters to use lap bars to go upside down? Uh, didn't they do a famous, yeah. I'm pretty sure Drayton Manor did a famous promo thing where they had... Um, and like all the executives from the park in suits and they literally and they got them to sit in the in the in the car and then they like hung the car upside down just to show that the lap bars worked you know to, to hold them in yeah um, and there is a video of like a wiggle test of someone trying to wiggle out of it i think there's like a bit of a documentary on or at least a video on youtube that i came across um but that's the thing it's not a bad it's not a bad coaster um in the sense it's not a bad model it's not a bad design, but they just didn't have the footprint big enough for it. If they'd had a bit more money and a bit more space, maybe they could have built something like Rip Ride Rocket. It'd have been fantastic, but they just didn't quite go far enough. And I think what they ended up with was quite a boring, uncomfortable coaster, unfortunately. Yeah, I think the the lap bars are what make it so uncomfortable. Those lap bars would constantly they they just get tighter that's that's their point almost you know they they made this big point about it being all ergonomic and 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 comfortable and and all that but actually it also was so heavy that every time you got any positive g forces it would just fall into your lap even further uh by the time if you're sitting on the lift hill and they've got the second train cuz it only ever ran two trains max um, I think towards the end of its life, it was only running one. Um, I think if if you had, you know, a really tight lap bar by the end of it, and you were sitting on that brake run at the end, was was really painful. Uh, and I think that was that's an X car issue. And I think Drayton Manor, you know, they probably now regret it. I'd imagine, but but I I do think it did its job at the park. Uh, it got the 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 audience in it got the general public in that you know maybe doesn't look for certain stuff in roller coasters that we would so i i i I do think it did its job however i do agree that it it could be a lot better on a on a on a separate note about drayton manor they are one park that oh i just feel so 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 sorry for because they keep on trying to add new things and it just never they're always the one part that kind of never seemed to i don't know no it never seemed to catch a break almost it's like it's like they they get one thing right and then they have another setback and then now they've obviously had had the fire which is like another setback and the, and then they went bankrupt and then they were bought out and i just feel so sorry because having visited there you know this summer and uh and you know after speaking with a, with a couple of people that that have worked there they're all it's such a family mentality for that park they're all behind it 100 percent. and a lot of them have been working there for years and they're just in such a bad spot now i just i really wish that you know just a bit more life could be injected into it and money and and just get the park back on its feet and looking spick and span and awesome and i just they're one park that i just always feel just a touch sorry for yeah, well, well, let's hope in the future that, um, especially whatever they replace G-Force with, is something that will attract people. But I think Thomas Land at Drayton Manor has been a fantastic investment, and I know lots of people that have been to the park just to go to Thomas Land, and 
having uh, been to Thomasland myself and ridden the little uh, the, the troublesome little tr- trucks, troublesome trucks. Having ridden troublesome trucks, I can confirm it's it's quite a fun little coaster, um, and it's uh, it goes around on two laps. I think so. You get you know twice for the price of one, so you can't go wrong with that. So. As we wrap up then, um, have you guys got any kind of final pet peeves, any kind of stupid things that just annoy you guys at parks that kind of ruins your experience just as we wrap up? Any final things, any final thoughts? No, I, I think we've covered quite a fair bit in, in, in the half an hour, 40 minutes we've been talking. And, and I, I mean, I hate queuing just in general, but there are some parks that really nail the queuing experience. And and that to me, I, I I'm a big lover of roller coasters as a full blown experience. Um, I could quite happily sit and watch a roller coaster than ride it. Um, so the likes of you know how Alter Towers always try to, you know, make make a, a a bigger deal out of their their queue lines than than some other parks. That that's great for me. So I I, I could quite happily stand in a queue. Um. And then you see, obviously, the likes of Disney parks just go that next level with now interactive queues and stuff that we started seeing. Um, I think that's the next level of, of the queuing experience that's going to make every park better if we just start looking at the entrance to the ride is where the ride starts. Yeah. I think, well, what I'm kind of taking from that is that you're a cursed voyeur is is one thing. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that is really important. I think, you know, if you go through the uh, the ride entrance and you get an experience, you don't want to go through a cattle pen. And I know that a lot of people get upset about going through cattle pens. I think uh, the icon queue is not too bad because you are just on the side of the launch, so that's quite fun. Uh, but yeah, sometimes it can be a bit of a disappointing experience, so... Anything final for you, Sam? Um, I just really wanted to say, after this year, where we've had no theme parks for, like, seemingly forever. I mean, I know we had the summer and everything, and we had some winter events, but it seems like ages since we've had full reign of, like, proper theme parks and normality. I think while we've picked out some negative or, like, um, constructive points i just think i'm really gonna now go to theme parks with a new sense of um enjoyment and appreciation uh because after this year i just need i don't know about you guys i just need to get on a coaster i just need to get need to get in a park in the sunshine with my sticky ice cream wrapper in my hands <laughs> and watching and riding some coasters. I've got a vision now of you with a sticky ice cream riding around on like a, a caterpillar ride like all day and just kind of screaming <laughs> at the back, you know, as you're going over the Oh line. no, he nice. won't be screaming. He'll be keeping an eye out for the bins. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be, hey, hey, I got my ice cream here. Hey, slow it down. I'm holding an ice cream in the back. Hey. <laughs> There's a bin. There's a bin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that Very sounds good. good. That sounds Very good. good. Yeah, no, great. And um next time we pick up this conversation, we're gonna turn that frown upside down and talk about what makes a part good. So I don't know if that'll be the next episode, but it might be in a few episodes time, but we're gonna talk about the positive next. But like Sam said, um we need to support all the parks, whether 
we think there's bad aspects to the parks or whether we get upset by some aspects of the park they all need our support so when they do open up let's get out there let's spend our money and let's support our parks so they're not just there for the next 12 months but for the next 12 years 120 years 200 years however long in the future they need our support right now so get out there and spend your money